Uh, with that being said, welcome to week three of our Healthy You series. And so far, we have discussed spiritually and emotionally, as we're going to now look at physically and mentally over these next couple weeks. And as I told you before, I really believe that if you get spiritually healthy, it dramatically affects disproportionately better and more the other three because we have something greater in us and through us to help us in those other three areas that we can't just will ourselves to better health in some of the in some of the ways that God has wired us. And so hopefully this has been encouraging. I can tell you today, I got a lot of information, you know, to give it you and I've realized even through this series that probably each one of these weeks should have been probably a couple weeks by themselves uh, because uh, there's a lot to talk through. But what's most important is that the conversation continues as we go through this, this series, especially today, that uh, you engage in conversations with your life group, with people in your home, your friends, you know, whomever that may be. Now, today, I'm going to talk about physical health because, let's be honest, look at me, I am the poster child for what this looks like. Uh, in fact, you know, I told the elders the reason I became the lead pastor is because you guys wanted some eye candy on stage every week, and here I am. So I know it causes some of you to sin. I apologize about that. But uh, this, is why, this is why I'm here. Some people have burdens to bear. That's mine. Um, in, in all seriousness, uh, we're going to look um, at the creator's standpoint uh, because uh, here's, here's, here's what I know. God's heart in all of this is the goal is helpfulness, not for you to walk away feeling shame or just complete regret you know, or off-putting. He actually wants to help us to become healthy in other ways, and he has a lot to say you know, about this specific issue. And uh, this one hits a little different for some. Uh, let me be honest. Uh, if a friend comes up to you, coworker, neighbor, you know, somebody, and looks at you and says, hey, I noticed that you seem a bit off emotionally. You seem a bit off, you know, spiritually. How are you doing? Most of us in this room would take that as a compliment. We would be like, well, thank you for noticing. Thank you for caring. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I'd love to share with you some of these things. Now, if that same friend or person were to come up and look at you and say, man, you don't look good physically, all of a sudden you're like, what, are you calling me fat? And I dress wrong? What is, you know, my boogers hanging out my nose? What's going on? You know, all of a sudden it elicits just a little different for some emotional response, even though it's the same question than the other three. There is something about this, and some of it's our culture, and some of it's us internally when it comes to this. In fact, um, I asked on Facebook, uh, what are some questions that you have about physical health as we go into this message? So here are my, uh, some of my response from some of you who are so deep and thought-provoking. Chad asked, how many Oreos can I eat before it's a problem? I was like, good, good question, Chad. Uh, Anthony asked, have you found a diet that allows you to have tacos whenever you want? Um, wrong person to ask. Jason asked, how do you best approach and help friends with eating disorders, such as being vegetarian or vegan? I was like, well, you know, the important questions, you know, that you ask, they're just astounded by, you know, things. But you, I did get more serious. Uh, people asked, can exercise, weight, diet go too far? What does God or the Bible say about medications? If you struggle with overeating or undereating, how do we properly fast? Can Christians use alcohol to their benefit? Because some Christians believe that touching alcohol is sinful. Why does God allow so much physical suffering for some and not others? And the list goes on. Those are great questions that I'm going to answer at a high level, and you're going to have to kind of dive in a little bit more. So let's just start with what I believe is the obvious, but sometimes you need to state the obvious before you can move forward. And that is God is the one who created us with physical bodies. As the creator, he might know best what his creation 
can be or look like as it pertains to physical health. In Genesis 2-7, says the Lord God is the one who formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Now, our bodies are true miracles. And some of you in the medical field, you know far better than I do about the complexity and just how we're a walking miracle of all that we're made up, just, just our physical bodies alone. And God knows this, and the writer in Psalms chapter 139 says this, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And that's all before x-rays and the labs and all the things that we can even see now. And the more we understand about our bodies, the more of a miracle it truly is. And so God created us, our physical bodies, in perfection. But we made some choices that had not only spiritual consequences, but physical consequences. And that was back in the fall, back at the very beginning, when after God created us, we're supposed to live together, perfect bodies. He says, don't eat of this one tree. We said, nope, we're going to eat anyway, and thus created what's called the fall of man, which is a separation from God, but there's also physical consequences. We now have a day of birth and a day of death. Didn't used to be that way before. Our bodies grow, but then they begin to decay. At certain ages and certain stages, things begin to happen in our bodies because of the fall of man. In fact, there's even further consequences you can read in Genesis 3. Ladies, I apologize. Uh, you can blame Eve, but it says that the pain increased in childbearing. You know, um, since one of the consequences, guys, it said, you know, men were going to have to till the soil. It used to produce fruit and harvest easier. Now it's going to come from the sweat of your brow. In fact, you're going to basically work yourself to death at some point, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. This is important to note, just because a spiritual decision of disobeying by physically eating of the fruit has physical consequences. Same thing for our world. It's where death comes from. It's where disease, you know, begins to come from. It's from all the physical things come as a direct result of sin. And I want you to hold on to that because we're going to bring that up a, a little bit later. Now, I'm going to loosely define, because I couldn't find a great definition, especially from a biblical sense. I'm going to loosely define what physical health is, okay? Physical health is the positive condition, the positive condition uh, of your body, so physical health is where you, what you see when you get your lab work back and everything is in range. Physical health would be like having energy to do what you need to do during each day. Physical health is not what you look like on the outside. It's not. A lot of people like to, we do like to do that in our culture, like, wow, that person's physically healthy, that person's not. Not necessarily true. I'll give you a personal example. First time I did a half Ironman, I was in great physical shape, all of my tests were off the charts in terms of health in any way that you would measure it, except for you'd still look at me and be like, you know what, that person's still got a few extra pounds compared to the other. But no, I was in great physical shape, incredible physical shape. And so it's not just on the outside of what it looks like. In other words, physical health is not body mass index. Physical health is elusive. And once again, if we do nothing, we get worse physically. Okay, if you do nothing, which is why we have to be intentional when it comes to our physical health. So here is the healthiest question I can, I can provide. Why do you want to be physically healthy? The motivation is what's going to carry you beyond this conversation to transformation. Why? 
So I'm assuming if I could just snap my fingers and everybody's instantly physically healthy, everybody would want that, the question is why. So turn to your neighbor, turn to the person next to you and answer what's the first thing that comes to your mind. Why do you want to be physically healthy? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor now and I'll come back in just a second. All right, let's do one person from this section. Why? Long life, be able to spend time with kids. This section. To be able to live longer. Somebody else? Vital, vibrant life with my wife. Somebody in this section? Work longer? Way in the back. Yeah. Hey, spend more time with Jesus and God. The one spiritual person in the room. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Why do you want to be physically healthy? That question is so paramount. It is so key to get to the core because it's going to last or not last on the days that you don't feel like working on physical health. Right? There's going to be a lot of those days. So what is the why? So I started asking people, you know, just generally around the office and you know, just around here and when I met with people. Uh, so here were a couple other responses I got for people's why, their motivation. Uh, one guy said, because my wife told me to. Yeah, that's one, that one's not going to last all that long. My favorite response came from a staff member who said, because if a bear chases me down, I have to outrun someone less healthy. I was like, very practical. Very, very practical. Uh, other people said, though, to look better, to avoid disease as much as possible, to be physically active enough so I don't miss out on being present or hanging out with my kids or my grandkids, so I don't get fat, so I can fit in my old jeans, so I fit into my social media circle or social presence. I don't want to be a burden on my family when I get older. Some answered, I do things for physical health because it helps me avoid participating in unhealthy behavior. So some people say, I have this unhealthy addiction or something else along those lines, and by me focusing on my physical health, it actually helps in the areas of unhealth and to reduce stress. You know, uh, probably my favorite uh, was, <laughs> was this quote that was given to me. Elle Woods from Legally Blonde says, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins makes you happy. Happy people don't kill their husbands. They just don't. <laughs> Definitely came from the female side of our staff. Because I, I was like, I don't even know what that means. Okay, what's the motivation? What is our motivation? And so as you process that, that's the starting point. What's the motivation? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus... I want to give you maybe a motivation. We always think about maybe even our spiritual, we might even think about our mental and emotional health, but oftentimes we don't think about this being a why. What if our motivation is so we can live the life that God intended for us to live by serving and bringing glory to him? What if that was the core motivation, to serve and glorify God, our creator, our sustainer, our provider, as well as we can for as long as we can, knowing that there may be things in our lives that God is asking us to do that because we're physically unhealthy, we're not actually able to do. Now, let me give you a couple um, uh, examples of this. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There's a ton of stuff in there, and once again, I'm just scratching the surface on where we could go deeper in each one of these things. But in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13, here's what God says about our bodies. Our bodies were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So we like to separate it. Well, God just cares about spiritual things. No, this clearly says our bodies were made for him, and the Lord cares about our bodies. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Some of you have heard that verse before, 
but we naturally go to whatever we do, do it for God. But isn't it interesting, the Apostle Paul, of all things he could be specific about, he focuses on what we eat and what we drink. And then he becomes all-inclusive to everything else. Or in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, he's talking about our physical bodies, to God. Why? Because of all that he has done for you. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I bet we haven't thought very often that our bodies, I know this is kind of some aha things for me this week, is actually another form of worship, not just singing, not just praying, but actually our bodies are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. Uh, the other big, probably the biggest one that I can mention is our physical body is literally the dwelling place of the Lord. It's his spirit inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, again, verse 19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? In other words, once you accept Christ, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. That should cause us, if you're a follower of Christ, to pause to think about how do we steward, how do I manage and care for God's house, which is my body, which the spirit of God indwells inside, which is why I tell us, I've been telling you, which helps us emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally, etc. And so does it cause us to pause? Is that our motivation? And if it is our motivation, then what is the problem? Uh, the problem is, in addition to sin entering into the world and the decay of our bodies, is probably uh, epitomized with Jesus before he goes to the cross. The night before he goes, he uh, cries out to God, and he's in stress. Talk about emotional stress and anguish. And he calls some of his friends, his disciples, few of them to say, will you please be there with me in my hour of need? Will you please pray along with me? And I want you to notice what happens in this exchange in Matthew 26, verse 40. Then Jesus returned to the disciples after he had been praying, and he had found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I mean, think about the anguish. Here's my time that I needed you the most. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Then he twists it and puts it on to Peter as an encouragement. Keep watching, pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And then here's the famous line. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Could it be that there are things in our lives that we desire to be, that we desire to do, that God is trying to do in us and through us, but one of the hindrances is our body is stopping us or hindering us from engaging in the things that he has for us or he wants to do through us. Uh, in fact, let me say it this way. Primarily, we find ourselves unhealthy physically because we have or are engaged in unhealthy behavior, either in the past that we're actually suffering the ramifications for now or the present, which may be suffering our now and in the future. Now, I say primarily because because of the fall of man, there are things outside of your control. There are things that no matter how healthy, you know this to be true, people you know that are super healthy and all of a sudden they have a stroke. Super healthy and they can cancer. Super healthy, and so it's not a 100% correlation, but by and large, let's be honest, much of our physical unhealth is based on past or present unhealthy behavior. And if that's the case, understand this truth. 
We have become slaves, and I do mean slaves, to giving into our body's desires and cravings. We have bought into that lie. Now, a slave means that we are mastered by and we're not in control over. And so for this instance, our body has cravings. And so we give into that craving. Well, if you give into a certain craving over and over and over, you might find that the body is in control and you're no longer in control. And we see this could be in the form of food, could be coffee, could be alcohol, could be drugs, could be anything that we're putting inside our body that we can start out maybe as something that we were not dependent on, but then we became dependent on and we find ourselves a slave to it, whether we're willing to admit it or not. Uh, Let me level the playing field. How many of you um, uh, stopped having coffee or caffeine for a day or two and experienced very unpleasant, uh, not pleasant, headaches. Raise your hand. How many of you guys did that? Okay. So you understand what your body is doing. Your body is saying, give me what I want. You have fed me this. Now you're not letting me feed what I want. Now I'm going to create a headache physically because I'm in charge. Who do you think you are? And you feel this, right? And coffees can, can be that, you know, caffeine can be that one of the examples, but it could be in excess of anything that we're talking about. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes those in the church of Corinth. Now you understand, Corinth was a city in the Roman world at the time that was known for excess. And, and they were known for excess for three primary things. And let me hit the first two. The first was in food and drink. The amount as well as the quality, their food and drink. So here's these people who said, okay, I've been living in the culture of Corinth and the culture of Rome. Now I'm going to live in God's kingdom, be under his leadership and culture. And so they're wrestling with some of these real life things. Sound familiar? And so he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again, I'm going to back up to verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. So he's telling them, look, this isn't necessarily a sin issue off the bat. You can have permission to eat these things. You can have permission to partake in these things. But you got to realize that not everything that you participate in is actually healthy for you. And again, he's talking about our physical bodies as the context, and he's specifically referring to food and drink and another thing. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. I mean, I love that he used that words. If I were to ask you, do you want to be a slave? Nobody in here, yes, I want to be a slave. But this is what he's saying. He's saying food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though God will do away with both of them. In other words, don't let it be mastery over you. And so whether it's coffee or chocolate or alcohol, like I said, he's not saying any of these things are bad, but he's saying in moderation, the line that you cross is when you know that your body's more in control than you are or that what God's word has to say for your benefit and for mine. In fact, what he's referring to is a word that we don't usually mention in church. We like to talk about other sins, but we don't want to use this word. It's called gluttony. Okay, Again, gluttony is not an outward appearance. This is the definition of gluttony. It is defined as the overindulgence or lack of self-restraint in food, drink, or wealth items, especially as status tokens. The Bible says it this way. Proverbs 23, 20, do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty and too much sleep clothes them in rags. In other words, he's saying, don't go down a road that you know is going to be a hindrance to yourself and others. 
Because we have a tendency to elevate higher sins than other sins. Like, for example, some of you guys know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament. People use that as an example, you know, for sexual immorality and rape, and that's why God destroyed them. And you're not necessarily wrong, but this might change the story a little bit because Ezekiel actually tells us the reason why God's judgment finally came on the city of Sodom. And Ezekiel 16, verse 49, says Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Changes the story a little bit, doesn't it? Now, speaking of physical health, I told you that Paul mentions three primary things that affect us greatly, that we have to have mastery over. Otherwise, our bodies will take control. We will be mastered by our body instead of overseeing it. Food, he says, drink, and the third one is sexual immorality. In the same chapter, he says in verse 13, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So what he's referring to is he's using this Greek word porneia, which is why it's a broad range of sexual sin. Now, what Paul is dealing with in the Roman culture, look this up yourself, what was normalized in the culture versus what Jesus was asking people to ascribe by or participate for their benefit so they would be mastered by. Because in the Roman culture at the time that he's writing, uh, you would be shocked on what was okay. Like, for example, uh, you could be married, and men, you could have sex with anybody you wanted to as long as that person was also not married. You weren't committing adultery. Uh, there was a temple worship that would engage in, in, in sexuality of all kinds would take place in the temples, which was completely acceptable and normal in the culture. Uh, uh, they uh, included not only prostitution, but pedophilia was also accepted and okay in the culture. Don't believe me? Look at the Roman Caesars and what they were involved in back then. Homosexuality, bestiality, some of these things were so normalized as just part of the culture. And if that's the culture, they had the same objections in their church that sometimes we have in ours. Because here's the objection that I know I have experienced and many you have experienced either in conversation or in practicality when it comes to our physical bodies. But Dan, my body feels and desires to engage in lust and pornography. And so why not participate in that? Because you don't want to be mastered by your body, and God knows that this is a hindrance. Or what if God, but, but Dan, I desire sex before marriage. It's the natural progression of our relationship. Or sex with other people outside my marriage. My body has an appetite for, people, uh, for sex with people of the same gender or with kids or with other people. Just because the body craves something doesn't mean that is what we should engage in. Again, are you mastery over your body or is your body mastery over you? So what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 is run from sexual sin and don't miss this. No other sin so clearly affects the physical body as this one does. He's not saying it's a greater sin. He's just saying that there is a greater struggle and there's greater consequence that I don't even have the beginning time to be able to walk into of what that means in our brain and how that plays out into real relationships. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Then he says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, you must honor God with your body. 
And they're struggling with this based on where their culture is. And so they're like, okay, food, drink, and sexuality is what Paul is addressing there as it pertains to our bodies. Now, let me be clear. Paul is writing to the church. He is not writing to the city of Corinth. He's writing to those who are followers of Christ, who've chosen to receive the lordship of Christ in their lives to follow from a different way, whether they feel like it or not, and that the Holy Spirit resides in those people. So he's saying, here is a different way to live because God bought you with a price and you're willingly following him. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, and if you don't believe in the resurrection, he also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. He's saying, live it up, carpe diem, seize the day, you know, engage in whatever you want, because if this is the end and there's only the end, then okay, just live by your feelings. But if there is something different, that's what he's prescribing to, to the church, those who are following Christ versus those who are not. So we've talked about food, drink, sex, and what causes unhealth physically, but we need practical steps on how to become physically healthy. So what's our motivation? Here are the things that can derail us the most. So how do we start or continue the path towards physical health? And I'm going to fly through these. Okay, number one, it's going to sound funny, but confess your sins to God. Confess your sins. You're like, wait a minute, I thought that was a spiritual thing. If you have time this week, read Psalms 38. In Psalms 38, it talks about how the spiritual affects the physical. One example is verse 3. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. We underestimate the power of sin in our lives and how it, how it affects us physically. So it's an opportunity to say, God, yeah, I want to follow your will and your way. Here's something I can give, and it's going to help us physically. Secondly, begin to view yourself how God views you. Now, one of the things that I hear from all the time is you look in the mirror and there's this immediate regret, like I don't look like I used to 20 years ago. I wish I looked something different or, you know, I just am so ashamed by whatever it may be. I want you to know God views you and he still loves you. Is there an opportunity to grow? For sure. But view yourself the way God views you. To love your neighbor means you need to love yourself and see yourself as the way God sees you. Again, there's so much on that. Number three, rely on God's spirit and power to give you strength. It's not going to be enough Tony Robbins self-will. It's not that it's bad. There can be other motivations, like I said, but you need a spiritual one that can help you because it says the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. So it can help with that. Again, I have to listen to this for four four times. This is my third time. This sucks, so suck it up, okay? So we're going to keep going with this. Number four, start or continue to exercise or eat healthier. Uh, Paul uses a physical response alluding to what is spiritual. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified, which leads into the opportunity to fast regularly. The Bible talks a lot about fasting. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. Now, some people say, well, I, I fast from time to time. I fast from social media. That's abstaining. That's going without. The only term for fasting means without food or without food or drink. Now, why would we want to fast? Two reasons. One, so you become mastery over your body. That's the reason that God wants you to experience physical health. Say, I'm not going to, I'm going to go without coffee for this amount of time. I'm going to go without alcohol for this amount of time. I'm going to go without this type of food for this amount of time. Yes, that's fasting because you're taking control again of the body and not letting the body take control of you. And then secondly, it allows us to deepen when we have those hunger pains to deepen our prayer life and connection to him. So there's an opportunity to fast. 
Jesus says, and when you fast, it's, it's not an if or should. And as Americans, especially American Christians, it's something that we don't talk about enough. Which leads us to number five, seek wisdom from others. I am a pastor, not a dietitian, or a medical doctor or a nutritionist. You need to talk to specific people. And this is, I know, where it starts to feel funny. Like, I don't want to have to talk to somebody about my physical health. I don't want to have to go to the doctor. I don't have to go to a, a, a coach. I don't have to go to a nutritionist. But you're willing to do it when it comes to areas like finances. When you might be weaker in other areas, you're willing to go to people who might be living and modeling something different. Uh, in Proverbs 12, 15, it says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And so what I want to do is I want to bring Jolene Fisher and Jeremy Anglin on stage. I want to ask them a couple questions because on our staff... Uh, Jolene oversees our women's ministry. She does an incredible job. Jeremy oversees all of our adult ministries and the pastors and staff, you know, that oversee them. But here's what I know. Both of them, better than me, model what this looks like. And so I want to ask them some some specific questions. Okay, so let's start with this. Is being or staying in good physical health easy for you guys? Sure looks like it. No, it isn't, actually. It takes a lot of discipline, and especially for me, a lot of accountability around the area that I dislike the most, and that is exercise. I do it every day live with clients at 7 a.m., so that gets me up out of bed and makes me accountable to what I said I was going to do. So if you need that kind of accountability in your life, maybe you have to pay for that. Maybe you have to hire somebody. Just know yourself, and that's the important thing is knowing where your weaknesses are. Yes, and I second that. It is not easy. And, and through the years, um, I've had to just set up these little disciplines in my life. And they just seem, seem little at the time. Um, you know, set the alarm a little bit earlier, go on a walk, do these little things. And I've done lots of those, um, but I still struggle with them every day. I still argue with myself at, when the alarm goes off at 4 a.m. I sit there and argue for about 10 minutes with myself. We go back and forth. Uh, never gets into any screaming matches, but I finally get up, and uh, so so no, it is not easy at all. I'd argue with it four at a.m. too, man. If I was in that situation. <laughs> all right, I mentioned last week. You know, Julian's going to start with you. I mentioned last week. I was vulnerable with everybody else. Said, hey, at times I can find myself being an emotional eater, where I'm not really hungry, you know, or thirsty, but I can find myself heading to the refrigerator or the pantry. And so, since nobody else does that in this group and me, why don't you just tell me? What are some things that I can learn or how do I handle something like that? Okay, so this is a twofold answer because first of all, you talked about gaining mastery over yourself. We need to know who is behind the deception there and that is Satan and that stronghold that you may have over emotional eating. So first of all, recognizing that it is your particular bait that he's reeling out there and catching you with. And so when we realize that, first of all, then we can say, hey, this is, we recognize it for what it is. But secondly, what do you do about that? First of all, go to God for that, you know, seek repentance and all the things that you even mentioned. But I'm going to give you a practical strategy to think about beyond what God can do for us. And that is to think about this as, is this a habit in your life? And how can you change that habit? You have to think about what's the trigger? What's the emotional thing that's causing you to go to food? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Did you just get a text message that made you want to go to the pantry? And so recognizing that trigger that you can't necessarily change triggers in your lives, but the next thing that happens is going to the pantry or the refrigerator. And then the last thing that happens is the reward that you get and the feeling you get from eating. And that's what we want to keep. We want to keep that reward. We want to feel good. But we also know that we can't change the trigger and we don't want to change the reward, but we can change what's in the center of that, and that is changing our behavior. So coming up with some strategies, maybe later today you talk to a friend or accountability, a partner about that, 
Is it calling a best friend? Is it watching a YouTube comedy? Or is it going for a walk? What is it that you can insert inside of that that makes you feel better? I, I love that. So hopefully you heard that clearly. If you have an emotional trigger and you go to a substance, instead of going to the substance, what else could you go to? What can you replace that with? And how do you get an accountability person so you can still get the reward at the end, but it's that middle step that is actually going to be life-changing and freeing. Uh, Jeremy, where would you say that we should start or continue if we're not used to working out? Well, certainly just the easy answer is start where you're at. Start where you're at. I mean, if you have goals to become a, you know, to do a marathon uh, run or something like that, uh, day one, you're not going to start at running 10 miles. You know, you're going to start uh, where you're at. Now, I know not everyone's goal is to run a marathon and stuff, but but be okay with where you're at and that you want to take a step forward. And so that may be as simple as, hey, I'm going to set a goal to walk for 10 minutes uh, four days a week after dinner. I'm going to grab my spouse and we're going to walk for 10 minutes and that's my goal. And that's okay and that's a step and that's the discipline that you'll get um, of taking this um, to God and creating this new discipline in your life, you're going to find that discipline and that healthy routine uh, leading into another discipline and another healthy routine. So whatever your goals are, first establish that, and then start where you're at. Be okay with where you're at and start from there. Um, just with the goal, I always say, just with the goal of getting 1% better. And I know Jolene's got the book, Atomic Habits. It's a great book. But he talks about this premise of just 1% better. If we can just concentrate on that, don't worry about the, the end goal way out there. Just 1% better today. And I'll add to that, too, that in Atomic Habits, he talks about when you're starting a new habit, whether it be that 10-minute walk after dinner every night, is just do it. And then if you have a couple days where you forget or life happens, because it always does, to give yourself grace on that third day when you're contemplating, should I do it, should I not, do it anyways. Just right, get right back on the horse because it's that grace you need to give yourself. I think a lot of times we have this all or nothing mentality that I'm going to do it until I don't anymore and then I just fall off the wagon. But just get right back on the next day, get right back on that next meal, whatever it may be. Just don't let three days go by. Give yourself grace with at least two. That third day, get right back to it. No, I remember talking to Jeremy you know, specifically. He just said, 10 minutes, put a timer to it. You know, whether it be on your phone or watch or something else like that, he goes, when you get out there, literally stop after 10 minutes. But here's where most of us have the difficulty is the first step. And just by giving yourself a 10-minute permission uh, can be very, very helpful. It's been helpful for me to be like, okay, haven't gone to sleep. I can go out for 10 minutes before I go to bed. You know, whatever it may be to keep those habits and those things, you know, uh, going. Uh, Jolene, uh, last question. How much does what we eat play into our physical health compared to exercising? Okay, the easy answer is 80-20, 80% nutrition, 20% exercise, but then you overlay that with genetics, stress, lack of sleep, all those things can play into uh, how your body's going to respond to that nutrition and exercise. So sometimes um, we flip-flop that and we say, I'm just going to work out really hard and who cares what I eat? I'm going to get better. And the research does not support that. The research supports mostly eating being the healthiest behavior. Yeah, so nobody should become a pastor. That I just heard you say, you know, about stress and stuff like that. Actually, Jeremy, I do want to answer ask this. Uh, when does all of this uh, become self-focused, become idolatry? Is it possible for us to be too focused on working out and being in shape? Yes, yes, for sure. You know, and uh, it takes that self-reflection and, and even maybe reflection of someone close to you. 
of understanding why are you doing this. Establish your why are you doing this. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with this and had struggles with this same thing throughout the year. Am I doing that just to um, appease others or to look good for others or to make sure that when I take my Instagram you know, profile pic that I look best when I'm shirtless in the mirror and my muscles are, I, I've never had that picture by the way, but um, <laughs> obviously, but, um, but yes, why are you doing this? And always be reflecting on that. We're doing this because God gave us this body. God wants to use our body in the way that he's designed it and he's tasked us to use it while we're here on earth. And uh, he wants us to stay healthy so we can do it that way. That's the focus, and once you drift off of that, either identify yourself or others around you to help you identify that, then, um, then that's where you need to drift back. So, so yes, it's very easy, especially with the influence of social media and everybody else posting their mirror pics and, and all that. That's good. Hey, let's give these uh, guys a hand. Can we just thank them for that? Uh, they're here to be able to help answer some of these questions, like I said. Yeah, for some of us, we're so used to one area of our life, I asked you, which is maybe the weaker area of the four, and if physical is the weaker area, then we need people you know, like Jeremy and Jolene. We have other people in our, in our church as well. I don't want to forget to mention, I know there's others. You know, it's like uh, Amy Livingston you know, at Liberty Lake Athletic Club just down the road here on Barker you know, is a committed member of this church and would love to help. Joel Hayek who owns Complete Athlete in Spokane Valley. You, know, uh, you got Jess Seventy who works on you know, our uh, facilities team who does the personal training, and Brad and Joni Bailey, who own and run Anytime Fitness at Liberty Lake. And there's others. There's other people in our church where this is maybe more their strength. You know, so let's talk to those people. Let's help, you know, one another and become the body of Christ, which is why we want to encourage you. Find an encouraging partner to begin today. You know, to begin today. Don't wait, you know, on this. In fact, one of the things people ask is, how do we mirror better the physical and the spiritual as a church so there's two things that uh, we offer, you know, for this. Uh, some have already begun, but you can even jump in now. But the next one officially begins on March 13th. We have our next round of Soul Con for Men and C4 for Women. That one's going to be explosive. I can just tell you that one. Now, it's about six weeks long or so. You know, what an opportunity to get with other gals or other guys and go on this journey together. And they put the Lord at the center. And so there's another opportunity to do this with others. Lastly, if you struggle with how, you know, your body is your master and things like pornography or sexual morality or alcohol or drugs or anything that you can't get through on your own, we have Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is not just for those who have addictive behaviors. It's any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you can't get through on your own, and it could be food. It could be something else that you can go and be able to find because we need each other the way the body of Christ has been meant to live. So as we close, your next step, I will, you fill in the blank, as it pertains to my physical health. This is what God wants for you, and I hope this has been encouraging and challenging to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today, the opportunity to live, to follow, and to serve you. I just pray you would lead us for this to be not just a message to hear, but to be transformative. I pray that in my own life, and I pray that for those in this room as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.